0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, we're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus uses fruit as a metaphor to talk about our lives and characteristics that will come out of our lives as a result of walking with Him. And I like to think Uh, And picture this because uh, words produce pictures. It's it's how we think. We think in pictures more than we do just letters, you know. Uh, If I said dog, you'd you'd see a dog, whatever kind of dog you got or love, you wouldn't see D-O-G. You'd have a picture of a dog, if that makes sense. And and God wired us that way so that we think in images. And that's why uh, the way we think is called an imagination or imagination. And we think that way. And so Jesus taught in parables, and used metaphors purposely knowing how we're wired so that we could see pictures. And one of those pictures that I like to see is fruit on a tree or fruit on a vine, whichever way you want to go. And I like to think of my life as a fruit tree producing fruit. And we're going to, as we get into this more, we're going to look at what's commonly known as nine fruit of the Spirit, which is in Galatians 5. We're not going to go to Galatians 5 this morning. We're going to mainly be in the book of John chapter 15, uh, because I want to look at what it takes to bear more fruit generally until we, before we get into each of the individual fruit. And I just want to look at the process. I I, I, I marvel at how fruit ends up on my table. If you think about it for a moment, if you've done any kind of gardening or farming or anything like that, perhaps you've had a little vegetable patch in the backyard. You think oh, that's easy. You just go down to Bunnings or some gardening shop and you just buy a packet of seed and you just go out the backyard and put the seed in. And if it's tomatoes, seed, it's going to, tomatoes are just going to come up. And uh, I wish it was that easy. And if you've grown anything or tried to grow something, you know there's a lot more to it than that. And for fruit to get on your table, there's a whole process. There's a process of preparing the soil for the plants, selecting the right seed, tilling the soil. Uh, There's a process of fertilization, watering. The plant starts to grow up. And then if you tried to grow anything, you know this is going to happen. There's going to be pests. (laughs) <laughs> that are going to invade because they want the fruit too. They're hungry. Like this is how they survive. And so they're going to attack the fruit and want to eat the fruit before it ever gets to your table. And, uh, you know, it's how disappointed it is to go out into your little garden or whatever. You think, oh, look at that, like tomatoes. So yeah, come and look, you know, there's tomatoes. And then the next day it's like, Where's my tomatoes? Half of them are gone. There's little things crawling around. It's like, start over again. And to get fruit from the garden to the table is quite a big process. Also, there's shipping so that you have to know exactly when to harvest that fruit or pick it, uh, not too early, not too late, just at the right time. And then if, like in this country, if you're into mass production or produce, then, then getting it from the farm, uh, trucking it or training it or however they get it here, uh, that's a that's a big thing as well because it's gonna it can go off it can rot before it gets here has to be on the shelf has to look the right way so that everybody that goes shopping that picks up picks up the apples or the oranges or whatever starts squeezing it to make sure it's ripe which often it isn't because they spray paint it with color or whatever they do to it I don't know if, if you've ever bitten into what you thought was well, going to be a really nice juicy piece of fruit and and it's dry like anybody ever had a dry apple like you you think this thing's going to be juicy and I, I am I'm so looking forward to this delicious red apple and you bite into it and it tastes like sawdust it's just like Whoa! And you got to throw it away and you've paid good money for it that's because in the preparation time somewhere in there They didn't do a very good job. Well, there's a parallel between that, the physical fruit, the metaphor, and and spiritual fruit that God wants to develop in our lives. He wants to till the soil of our hearts. He wants to make sure that the soil of your heart is prepared. He wants to make sure that you know how to get rid of the pests, uh, plural, And those pests can be thoughts that try to invade your thinking that are trying to just rip off the good fruit that God wants to produce. The love, joy, gentleness, uh, kindness, patience, all of those, all of the fruit that God wants in your life. There are pests out there. There are uh, fruit destroying pests that want to get rid of that fruit before it ever gets out on the tree. And, And so God helps us to identify these things. And I'm so glad that the master farmer, the master gardener, Jesus, teaches me the hopeless farmer that has no hope at all in growing anything. He, he teaches how to grow spiritual fruit. And so that's where we're going to go this morning so that we can have much fruit. In John 15, and we'll just look at uh, verse 1 and 5, he said, I am the true vine. I ought to stop there because there are a lot of vines that are out there. Now, at our house, we, we had a, a much larger property up in Budrum. If you're not familiar with the Sunshine Coast, it's kind of um, a green elevated area. I wouldn't say it's a mountain, although they call it Budrum Mountain, but not really a mountain. It's like a hill. <laughs> it's I've, I've cycled up Budrum Mountain, and it's hard to get up there, but not a mountain. You're not going to hear people yodeling up there. You're not going to go snow skiing anything like that. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of green things. The soil is rich and red, and you can grow a lot of, everything grows up there. The house that Gail and I live in now, uh, we purposely chose it because we, I, I'm not a gardener, like I said. I got just tired of pulling weeds on my time off, <laughs> trimming, uh, you know, cutting down cane that that, that grows there, or, uh bamboo, uh, all all these terrible things. Morning glory, it's kind of like a vine thing. So we moved down closer to the coast, downsized. You know what? The little bit of land that we have that can grow something, it's the same problem, only on a smaller scale. And so I was out there the other day, and I thought, I'm going to do some gardening. Now, for me, gardening is a container of Roundup. It's a spray bottle. I mix up the Roundup, the right proportion, and then I go at the gardening bit, which is seeing the weeds, aiming, squirting them with the Roundup. So I was out there the other day, and one of the, challenge, one of the challenges really hit me because this vine, uh, which is a weed, has grown into all the good plants, the, the palm plants and everything else. And I'm thinking, now how, how am I going to kill this vine when it's grown into the gardenia plant that Gail planted over the grave of our dead dog? (laughs) And so I don't want to desecrate Enzo's (laughs) gravesite. Gail's put so much preparation into this gardenia plant, which is doing quite well. And I'm about to pull the trigger, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to hit the plant. I'm going to hit the gardenia. I'm going to hit the good plant to kill the bad plant. So I've got to go in now, and I've got to do some serious combat with this thing. I mean, this is going to be hands on. I've got to actually physically go in, try to find out where this vine goes, and go in and pull it out, and try to get all of it by hand, which is something I didn't really want to have to do. I just like squirting things, not hand-to-hand combat with the vine. So I went at it that way. And of course, didn't take long and the thing's grown back. It just keeps growing back because I couldn't get all of it. But there is a true vine. And then, of course, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, which means there must be some vines that aren't true vines. They're promising something. They they are a vine. Technically, they're a vine. There are things in your life that are vines and they're going to produce something, but it's not going to be the good fruit that God's talking about. They, 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 they are patterns in your life. They are what, what you would think is a life source, but it's not a life source. There are, are lots of things that, that creep into our life, make their way into our thinking, into our heart that are not from God. And so he starts off here and he says, I'm the true vine. And my father is the gardener. So God's about to do some gardening in our lives. Now, verse five, he says again. He says, "I'm the vine," and he locates what we are now. <laughs> I'm the vine; you are the branches. Now, again, going back to what I know of gardening, uh, our neighbor on one side, she and her husband, uh, they are true farmers. They have a mac- they had a macadamia farm. He also uh, was a pilot. He's retired from a pilot from Singapore Airlines. And, uh, you know, very knowledgeable, nice people. She grows magnificent tomatoes. She grows beautiful rose bushes. And they're right on our border. So I don't have to grow anything. I just look over at hers, and I think, it's mine. I'll just claim it, claim those <laughs> roses. Uh, it's just beautiful to watch. But she comes in at a certain time of the year, and she has her pruning shoes. And she butchers those things. Like the beautiful rose bush with all the roses and everything, there's a time where she comes in and she just cuts it down to a stump almost. And I look at that. Her name's Sandy, and I think, Sandy, what are you doing? You're you're killing these beautiful plants. No, I'm pruning them back because they're going to produce far more roses if I do this than if I don't do it. She takes and she cuts into the branches. She doesn't kill the the vine, the main part. She just cuts those branches ruthlessly to get more more roses, more fruit, if you will. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Ow! (laughs) If I'm the branch (laughs) and the branch has to be, something has to be pruned and it's not going to be the vine, guess who's going to get it? That's you and I. And so today, we're going to be talking about, as we look about the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to be looking at something that really hurts. But like most things, if you go to the doctor, this is going to hurt, little sting, big sting, he's lying. This is going to hurt a little bit, but it's going to help you. And that's, that's pretty well where this morning's message is going to go. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, And I and you, you will bear much fruit. That's the object of pruning, preparation, all of this. God wants all of us to have a lot of fruit, to live a a fruitful life. And he says this, apart from me, you could do nothing. He doesn't say apart from me, you could do some things. You're going to get along okay. You don't really need me. to to bear this kind of fruit. now he nails it. This is so important because apart from him, you can do nothing. In other words, everything that you think you're doing, it's actually nothing. That's profound. We need to be in him. We need to know that the master pruning farmer knows what he's doing and trust him in that. And he says, if you remain in me, and I remain in you. Not outside somehow. If we get off uh, on our own tangents, if we get off and away from him, everything we do that we think is fruit in life, it could be fame, it could be making money, it could be status, it could be happiness when, when all, the, uh, all the conditions are right. It, it amounts to absolutely nothing. The only thing in life, the only fruit in life is the fruit that that comes from the true vine. Do you get that? So to get from the garden to the grocer, it's quite a long process. We need to know how this happens. The master farmer teaches us. Now you will be judged on your fruit, but you don't judge other people's fruit. Now, I like to mention this frequently because we're not called to judge the other trees or the other vines, if you will, the other branches. We're called to look at our own fruit. And we are called to feed people, not to judge people. There are a lot of fruit inspectors around. I don't know if you've noticed it. Religion is full of fruit inspectors. Jesus encountered them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious people. They're just constantly judging, constantly judging other people's fruit, but have no fruit of their own. God has called us not to be a judge. Yes, we do know people by their fruit. And you, if you look and there's no fruit uh, on, the, on a person's life, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no patience. They're angry all the time. They've got this and they might say, that, you know, they, they go to church or whatever. Uh, you kind of know, don't trust that person, back off. But judging is not our job. Our job is to feed people, not to judge people. We're called to our own fruit. How, how, how would it go down, if you think about this for a moment, if you're a parent, and you start judging your kids. And instead of feeding your children, which is what you're supposed to do, you just sit at the table and judge them the whole time. Well, you know, the trouble with you, blah, 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 but you don't don't give them anything to eat. So they become skinny, emaciated, malnourished, malnutrition sets in. And then you look at them and you go, look at how skinny you are, you scrawny little thing. Look, what kind of parent are you? The parent patrol would show up at your house. They'd go, your kid's Coming to school pretty skinny. You don't give them anything. You don't feed them. All you do is criticize them. That should never be us. Our job is to feed from the fruit that we produce, not to judge other people's fruit. Do you get that? So we show up with fruit, lots of fruit. And that's what the goal of this series is, that you might not just have fruit, but that you might have much fruit, Jesus says. That's the goal, is that we can all start to grow a lot of fruit. Before we go into each of the uh, different fruits that are mentioned in, in Galatians 5, I just want to talk about how to how to bear a lot of fruit. But knowing the purpose, the why of the fruit is, is really, really important. Why is it important? Because God wants to feed the nations. God's called his people, those that, that abide in the vine and, and he and he and us and us and him, he has called us to a mission that mission has not changed. be fruitful and multiply be fruitful and multiply Adam and Eve be fruitful and multiply Abraham be fruitful go in all in, in, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In other words, you're called to bear a lot of fruit so the people of all the nations on the planet will want to come and eat of the fruit of your life, and you will feed the the nations through the fruit of your life, both physically and spiritually. Have you ever noticed that the nations are pretty hungry? They're starving. There's not a lot of joy out there. It's a fruit of the Spirit. People know how to sing about love, but it's not the kind of love mentioned in the Bible. People are lacking patience. People out there in the nations of the world, and step out your door and you'll discover this they've got anger issues, they've got issues of all kinds. And those issues are not going to be solved unless somebody steps in and offers them some fruit and says, come and eat of this and and watch what God will do in your life. That's the challenge of the church. That's the Great Commission. That was the commission, like I said, back in the garden where God put uh, trees in the garden with, with, with seed bearing fruit and says, now be fruitful and multiply. It was a challenge with Abraham. It was a challenge with the disciples, with every single covenant that God cut. It was all about blessing the nations, being a blessing. Generosity is an incredible thing. And God is looking to raise big-hearted, large fruit-growing people that are generous. Generosity is not mentioned as a fruit of the Spirit, but it's a quality uh, of every single person that's following Jesus Christ. I, 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 I don't believe that there's a such thing as a stingy Christ follower. In other words, if I'm following him and he is generous off the he's generous off the scale. Like there are a lot of fish out in the sea that God made. There are a lot of plants, and there's a a proliferation of of flourishing growth, and, and more than enough, there's an abundance, and everything God creates, he creates it in abundance. He is a generous God. So why is there starvation, Pastor Ed? Because there's a lot of stingy people. But you can't be following him, generosity himself, and be stingy. Those, those, that's the oxymoron. Those two don't go together. Stinginess and generosity, they're opposites. God, godliness, following Jesus, and stinginess, they don't go together. God wants us to bear a lot of fruit, he wants us to bless the nations. He wants us to feed the nations. He wants us to be a, a blessing to the nations. You cannot be stingy and follow Jesus because Jesus is not stingy. If you have a stingy Jesus mentality, you think he's stingy, you got the wrong guy. You're not following the right, right God. He, he is a God of generosity and abundance. Have you ever met someone that's truly generous? I think we all know who, you know, we all know somebody. How, how do you know? Well, you go out to dinner, and you know, if you want to pay for the dinner, you're going to have, you're going to have a fight on your hands. Not a fight for, for them trying to make you pay, but, but a fight on your hands, because they always want to pay. We, we've got a friend, He's actually a friend of our son's. We met him through that, and uh, his name's Ben Brown. <laughs> and ben Brown is so generous, like seriously. So we know, we go to Sydney, we visit Benny, and you just know his wallet's coming out first. And he means it. You know how some people give the little fake, oh, mate, should I pay? And they don't mean it, the kind of, and then you go, no, I'll, I'll get it. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, because you had no intention of it, because if you intended to pay, you would have paid. <laughs> I sometimes have to do the fake, like, I just got to go to the restroom. So I get up, walk over, pay the bill, come back. They go, did you go to the restroom already? Yep. And then the bill comes around. They want to pay. It's like, no, it's already paid for. Oh, you got me. Uh, like, Benny Brown is onto that one. He knows if I get up, to go to the restroom. I'm not going to the restroom. I'm going to pay the bill because I want to get there before him. Because I know he'll do it every time. He'll be 100% generous and get the blessing out of being generous. I'm not going to let him get away with that. And uh, so it's a struggle. It's like a, a, it's it's a strategy. Like I'm watching you, man. I say to him, I'm watching you (laughs) because I know what you're doing. Like don't do the, the toilet trick because I'm, I'm on to it. Like, do you know people like that in your life? They are just so generous. God wants His people to be that guy, that girl, that generosity. Not the stingy stuff, the generosity stuff, where you're looking forward. Because He said, it's more blessed to give, not less or equal blessed. It is more blessed to give than what? to receive. I want to be on the more blessed side of it. It, it, Generosity is something that you see in people, and it's not a fruit uh, mentioned specifically, but man, it's a quality or a characteristic that goes all all through the Bible. Proverbs 11, won't come up, but it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So our intention is, in this series is to get us to start thinking more abundantly about the fruit that we can produce. So how do we live a more fruitful life? Well, the first thing, go to John chapter 15, and we're going to read 2 and 3. The first thing is let God remove what isn't bearing fruit in your life. Let God identify the areas in your life that are taking up your time, your soil, if you will, metaphorically, let God remove those things. God did it to a fig tree. You remember Jesus is walking there. He's about to go into Jerusalem, turn over some tables, fashion a whip, and drive them out of there because the religion, they're just cover up. They got fig leaves. They look like a fig tree. He encounters a fig tree. He says, let no fruit ever grow on you ever again. They come back. They go, look, the fig tree that you cursed, (laughs) it's already dried up because the fig tree was to produce fruit. The fig tree was not producing any fruit, so it had to be removed out of the soil. The fig tree, of course, represents, represented Israel at the time. It was uh, a fruitless fig tree. It was, it was producing a lot of leaves, a lot of religion. It was cover-up. It, it looked like the real deal but it wasn't the real deal. He got angry after he cursed the fig tree. He walks down into uh, Jerusalem, to the city, to the temple, just goes on a rampage, turning tables over uh, and, and rebuking these people. God wants us to bear so much fruit, but we've got to get rid of those things in our lives that are not producing fruit. That's ruthless. Sometimes when I go out in the garden, I think, man, if I, if I get stuck into this thing, there's going to be nothing left. Like all the greenery is going to go to get rid of the non-fruit-bearing plants that I've got out there called weeds. See, weeds will grow. You don't have to fertilize a weed. Have you ever noticed that? You don't have to look after a weed. Whatever you got in your life, if it's growing and you're not looking after it, you're not watering it and doing all the things that you have to do to make it grow, it's probably a weed. Some of those weeds, and this is where it gets really hard, some of those weeds are people, oh, it's like an old shoe. They're so comf- comfy. When I get around them, you know, they, they like being around me because, they can just say whatever they want about whoever they want. It's called gossip. <laughs> they can blaspheme God. They can tell dirty jokes and, oh, I just laugh. <laughs> Weed. <laughs> it's got to be plucked out of your garden. Oh, but we're supposed to reach them, then reach them. But you don't reach somebody by being like them, you reach them by being in the vine. You, you, you reach them by being in Christ and let Christ be in you. I know. I haven't been Pastor Ed my whole life. I worked in secular employment for a good many of years as a Christian. and I know what it's like to finally let my colors be shown and not put up with stuff. And just go, okay, this is not going to help them. I'm just really comfy. They're comfy around me. And I'm happy for somebody to be comfortable, but not to be comfortably taking up the soil of my life. Something's got to change. Let God remove. Verse verse 2 of John 15. Listen to what Jesus says. This is the one that's going to teach us how to farm. He, the Father, cuts off every branch in me, Notice not on the outside of you, but in you. This is an inside job. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, ah, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. The word bear... As in bears more fruit means to carry. So it's, it's how you carry yourself. It's also what are you carrying? What do you carry? Do you carry the character of God? Do you carry fruit to give out, to feed people, to be a blessing when you walk into the room? What what are you what are you carrying in life? Well, he says he wants you to carry or to bear much fruit. You are already clean, verse three, because of the word I have spoken to you. In other words, you're, if you're in him and he's in you, the, the word of God is flowing through you like the sap in that vine all the way into the branches. There's a cleanliness. There's not the 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 polluted or poisoned. Dirty water can't flow with clean water. It's got to be one or the other. If you're in Christ, then you've got the right stuff flowing through you. But now we got to prune some stuff off. We got to get rid of some things that are never going to produce fruit in your life. And if it is producing fruit, let's go for more. So let God prune some things. Get rid of some things, but prune. So how does he do that? Glad that you asked. The primary way that God prunes is discipline. That's why we're called disciples. Discipline, disciple, it means, it means that you've got discipline, you've got things in your life that God wants you to work really hard on so that you can become a disciple. Verse uh, chapter 12 of Hebrews, listen to this. Starts off, present your bodies a a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, He talks about you haven't resisted sin to sweating unto blood. Uh, Verse 5 of Hebrews 12. So I'm going to look at, we're just going to look at how he disciplines just in the next uh, few minutes before we close. He says, have you forgotten, verse 5, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. Now, this is a word of encouragement. Listen to this. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Just a little word of encouragement. (laughs) Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. (sighs) We're talking about the pruning process. We're talking about cutting off dead things that are not going to produce fruit. How how does God do this? Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves. And He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. Now that means daughters as well. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. In other words, if God's not speaking to you about things for you to cut off, and if He's not pruning you, and you're not being disciplined, and and even rebuked by, by the father, Well, you're probably an illegitimate child. You're not a child of his at all. So if you are, if you are disciplined and he does rebuke you in areas, take it as a compliment. Take it as encouragement because it shows that you're a child of God. Moreover, we have had human fathers who discipline us and and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? Now, almost out of time, but he draws a parallel between physical discipline. And, and you know, as a parent or as a child raised, there are occasions in my life, many occasions, where I had to be disciplined for doing the wrong thing. Spoil the, Spare the rod, spoil the child. Discipline's a good thing. And if the fathers of our flesh disciplined us, in the flesh, the big part of our flesh. (laughs) Where does the Father of Spirits discipline us? Not physically. God's not striking you with cancer to teach you a lesson. This is not what it's talking about. He disciplines you in your spirit. He rebukes you in your spirit, in your heart. God speaks to you and tells you, this is what you're doing wrong. I want you to correct this now. Uh, I want you to bear much fruit, but i got to do a little pruning now, a little bit of gardening now in your heart because I love you. If we don't do that, then we're probably not His child." They disciplined for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline, or you could put in there pruning, seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. You could put fruit in there of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So how does God discipline us? He disciplines us mainly through his word. Well, show me that in scripture, Pastor Ed. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, if you're taking notes. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, <laughs> rebuking, correcting, pruning, and training in righteousness. Why? So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, that you might bear fruit and much fruit. The Word of God is what speaks into your life and disciplines you. It re- he rebukes you through that. He corrects you. He trains you through that. So as you study and you read the Bible, you're challenged to examine your life align yourself with God's will, with with His attitude. It helps us see areas in our life that need changing. It gives us guidance to grow closer to God. I'm going to close with this. I'd like the team to come up, but as I was preparing this, I had this thought come that when the branch, He's the vine. Got it? So think of my body here, torso being the vine. My arms are the branches. (laughs) right? And there's finger, my fingers are the fruit. This is what he spoke to me. As the branch is pruned, the fruit gets closer to the vine. As you are pruned, you get closer to Him. You'll bear much fruit, but we have to let God Speak to us through His Word. That's why Bible study, prayer, personal devotions, journaling, taking time out of your day to just let God speak to you, and give God permission to tell it straight. We don't always tell each other straight, but God wants to wants to tell it straight because He loves you. And sometimes, when He gives you a word. It's not always, you're great. You're doing a good job. You know, you're going to be great. You're going to be the next Billy Graham or whatever. Sometimes it's, you know, you need to quit lying. You need to stop gossiping. <laughs> I think I'll ignore that one. <laughs> you remember David went off, had an affair with Bathsheba and God sent the prophet Nathan and said, hey, i want to tell you a story, David. Yeah, go ahead. Well, there's a guy that was very rich, had a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, etc. Another guy didn't have any. And the visitor came. Somebody came to visit the rich guy. So instead of taking one of his many cattle, killing it and having a barbecue with it, he took the, the poor guy's only one little ewe lamb that he had that he used to sit and eat, He'd probably licked his face. It's a little friendly animal, one little ewe lamb, and he killed it, gave it to the visitor. And David got angry. He says, that man will be put to death. He's going to have to pay fourfold for what he did. The prophet looks at David. And he says, you're the man. The word of God is sharp. Like a two-edged sword, it will cut, it will divide, it will prune your life. But do not despise discipline, because you're a child of God. So I want us to stand together. Just want to have a moment of that authenticity. And look, you know, I doubt there's any ex-murderers in the house this morning, (laughs) serial killers, (laughs) you know. I think that most of us the things that God would be talking to us probably society would say that's no big deal. Why 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 are you making that a big deal? Because it is a big deal because God wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to bear much fruit. The question is will you let him do some pruning in your life and when he identifies areas and maybe he has during this message that you just know Those areas are not going to produce fruit. They're dead branches. These are things that need to be cut. They need to be pruned. You need to repent. It's an old fashioned word that's not talked about in church as much anymore. (laughs) Repentance (laughs) means you're going to turn, you're going to turn away from that. You're going to repent of it. You're going to say you're sorry to somebody if you have to. You're going to do whatever it takes by the power of God to get it right. And to make that correction in your life, so that you can bear much fruit, much fruit. So rejoice, be encouraged when God starts his pruning process. Father, I just thank you right now for every person here, I thank you for every person watching online, I thank you that whom you love, you chasten, you discipline. Here am I Lord. Chase and rebuke, do whatever you have to do. Identify those things in my life. If that's you and you're, you're serious about this, I want to pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud with me. And look, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ into your heart, this is a time where God is sp- probably speaking to you. You need to be in the vine. You need to have him in you and be in him. You need a savior to help you get through so you want to pray this out loud with me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for loving me so much that you would not leave me or forsake me, but you would save me. Jesus, I give you my heart. Father, prune me. Identify In my life, areas that are not producing fruit, help me to prune those areas, cut them off, that I might bear much fruit. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city church.net or email us your feedback at infocity at church.net.